everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of Stick to Football. I'm Matt Miller, joined as always by my man Connor Rogers. And we got a cool show this week. The number one quarterback for the 2018 draft, Josh Allen of Wyoming, is going to join us to talk about his favorite beer now that he's 21 years old, the meanest tweet he's ever been sent, uh, his dream girl to be on a deserted island with. He made great choices in all these, by the way, so I'm excited for you guys to hear his answers. But Connor, we got to talk about something first. Uh, you and I had a little conflict this week on Twitter, and we got we got to settle this. You hate mustard, and I don't I even didn't... know who you are anymore, man. <laughs> Dude, I didn't realize how controversial this would be. I have people that are going to bat for me, and I have people basically telling me I should be blocked and unfollowed, and a hot dog company tweeting at me telling me about proper condiment etiquette. They know. So, Hebrew nationals, they know, man. I didn't know it's taboo. Also, I didn't know it's taboo to put ketchup on a hot dog. It's I've been doing this for— what? I'm kind of disappointed. That I'm really pissed that Mello's not here because we would just be. That's why he's not here this week. I was going to so say, I notice Mello's not here. I didn't want to be two verse one. It's crazy, though, man. One of my best friends from elementary school and high school yes. is tweeting at you. My brother <laughs> is tweeting at you. My family members are talking to me about this. like Defending me. They're on my side, by the way. I, I think that. You know, I have three brothers. I think that at least my older brother Marcus is is team mustard with me. But it's funny because today we we were at the hospital this morning, Marshall and I, and we went to get some lunch. And I'm like just pumping mustard, you know, for the onion rings and burger. I'm like, <laughs> look at this. Do you want some? Like, so your hatred of mustard, I and and now all the our coworkers who are taking your side with this thing. It blows my mind. Even my daughter, my own kid, is like, ah, <laughs> I saw Connor doesn't like mustard. She's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah. There's only one way to solve this, and that's Emmett. Does Emmett eat? And Emmett doesn't have a choice really yet, although that's he will true. approve or disapprove. But that, yeah, because he's three, and he was on a hard ketchup kick for his see? whole life. He knows. But now he will ask for mustard. Like, it, Maybe it's a southern thing. but like, No, my, my, my mom, though, my mom is pro-mustard. I see. And Mom I know best. Uh, I don't know. I, she does, but not about that. So, <laughs> you know, we'll do it like this. Then when you leave your iTunes review this week, guys, leave your favorite condiment or just explain why mustard is trash or ketchup on a hot dog is taboo, which is insane to me. I'm just mind blown. <laughs> so please do that for us. Uh, follow the stick to football Twitter account because we've been having tons of fun polls on there that all started with. Is uh, Chicago pizza actually pizza, right? That was the first one we ever did? That was the first one, and I said, yeah. no, it's a casserole. Yes, exactly. It's not it pizza. Is. It's exactly. So, you know, so we're going to talk about the 2018 wide receiver draft class today, or at least preview that class for you. You know, we're up to the wide receivers, did the running backs last week. We've done the quarterbacks. We got Josh Allen coming on the show with a great interview because, listen, we know so much about Josh Allen, the football player, and how great he is. He is or how great he can become, but we want to, you know, meet Josh Allen, the person. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, we'll have, of course, ending show with draft on draft, which we have a ton of good questions this week, Matt. It's going to be a lot of fun as it always is. But, you know, why wait? Let's get into these wide receivers. I saw you had had at the top of the list is Deion Kane. Is he coming in at preseason wide receiver one for you? Uh, it's tough between Deion Kane and Cortland Sutton. Uh, I think the difference maker for me will be that Deion Kane's speed and stretchability is quite a bit better. Um, you know that what he's been able to do as a deep threat has been phenomenal. And I think also 
you know, I'm always a uh, scout the player, not the helmet. Clemson knows how to make some receivers. Like yeah, Jeff Scott, Oof. as the receivers coach and co-offensive coordinator, dude knows what he's doing. And I know that, you know, there's going to be turnover there with a new quarterback. They lose almost all their offensive weapons. So a lot of the workload is going to go on Deion Kane's shoulders. But I, I think he's the next great Clemson receiver. So he is probably number one for me. Cortland Sutton at SMU, you know, he's kind of built in that Alshon Jeffrey, Laquan Treadwell mold. Like he's a thick guy who's a long strider. He doesn't have great breakaway speed, but what he does playing the ball in the air is special. So the the top two guys this year are kind of different from each other. Whereas last year, you know, Corey Davis and Mike Williams, you had two guys who I felt like were pretty similar athletically. This year, it's almost like, you know, do you want you want chocolate or vanilla ice cream? You know, they're both good. It's just which one, what style do you like better? So having seen them, who do you like so far? Or, or do you like someone else? Maybe Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk or another guy? Man, I really like what this class as a whole looks like. And I was explaining earlier this morning that this class feels so different because last year was like, hey, it's a solid wide receiver class. But it's so many number twos and threes and possession guys and just, you know, besides John Ross, where was that that dynamic, you know, threat like threatening versatile playmaker? I like Sutton, but that's because I've watched more of him. I've watched Sutton for the last two seasons now. I thought he was going to declare last year. I really one of the rare underclassmen that I watched in depth just because he's so talented and jumped off the page. He hasn't had any help from the quarterback position at SMU. That's yeah. what, so when you look up his stats. Completely wipe that out because, and that's a similar thing for Calvin Ridley last year. Calvin Ridley doesn't have eye popping production, but you know, just great talents. Now, when I do watch Kane, the number that jumps out to me, and you mentioned this, is eighteen point one yards per catch in his career. At Clemson. Oh my goodness! In yeah. his first two years, in his first two years at Clemson, big play threat, and Clemson always has the big play threat. So it's, I, I tell you right now, it's close. And I've watched more Sutton. He can go up and. The one-handed catches in the end zone. He'll just physically dominate defensive backs. But when you look at Kane against top cop, top competition, that vertical that vertical speed, it's going to be really interesting with these guys. And I do think it's nice that – I think these are the headliners. That's why we had them at the top. These are the headliners. After them, though, there's a lot of explosive guys that could sneak into that conversation. Yeah, there definitely are. And I, I think Christian Kirk is a guy to watch at Texas A&M. They've had some instability at the quarterback position, I think, to put it nicely. Um, you've got a coach there and Kevin Sumlin who's on the hot seat, but you have a very, very explosive wide receiver who, you know, I don't think he's going to be as fast as John Ross, but he's kind of in that John Ross mold as a stretch player. You know, he's 5'11", 200 pounds. Um, it, you know, he's 20 years old. He's a young guy with vertical speed, so he's going to be a player to watch. But I'm with you. I actually really like this class. And and the one guy, Antonio Callaway at Florida, who might be the best receiver in the group, has yep. some red flags with, uh, you know, he just got busted for weed. Um, he is incredibly talented, though. So it's going to be a fun class. Um, I was actually telling Mello a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, I think the receiver class is down. But it, it really might not be as down as I thought at first glance, because the more you start to watch these guys, you know, I think Deion Kane could be special. Uh, yep. Cortland Sutton has definitely has the size as a, a guy who could be a number one receiver. Calvin Ridley is is definitely exciting, and we're hopefully going to see him break out more. But there are a, a lot of talented players, and and again, Antonio Callaway at Florida is a guy to keep an eye on because if teams can get past the off field, he could be pretty damn good in the NFL. Yeah, I was watching some of him this morning, and when you just look at you know, I was watching the Tennessee game specifically, and he's shot out of a cannon. 
it's just a different speed. Because, like, what I would do is on, you know, one play where he completely won over the top, I'd watch, I actually had to double check his legs, the, you know, the frame rate they were moving at and the receiver across from him to make sure the gift didn't upload <laughs> and fast forward. And it's like, oh my God, it's not fast forward. He's really running that fast. Now, like you said, the frustrating part with Callaway is there are red flags there. He has to stay out of trouble. And the one thing that's, you know, there's two things for Callaway this year if he wants to be a top three receiver in this class. He has to stay out of trouble. And the other thing that I think will improve is the quarterback situation at Florida. You know, if Malik Zaire wins that starting job, he's going to get the ball. And he's going to get the ball on, on, you know, vertical shots. He's going to get the ball underneath. Zaire can extend plays and he can work back to the ball. He can work on his route running and do so many different things. So he's kind of got the guy to watch out of these top five we just named is the guy that can rise. Because obviously Kane and Sutton are headliners. Ridley and Kirk, you know how how great they are and how great they could be heading into this year. But Calway's the guy that's like, man, you want to talk about, you know, another guy that's 5'11", 200 pounds right around there. I I don't want to throw around the simple Florida comp and call him Percy Harvin. But when you talk, want to talk oh. about game-changing speed and that build, you know, that's kind of the first thing you think of. But he could be a more complete wide receiver. Yeah, and I'm excited, too, to see um, Paris Campbell at Ohio State. He's going to get a, yep. a much bigger workload. James Washington at Oklahoma State. We talked about his quarterback, Mason Rudolph, plenty in the last two episodes, if you guys want to go back and check those out. Uh, and then the, the St. Brown kid at Notre Dame. Uh, who w- w- looked great against Texas last year, but I-, I think has to maybe put it all together. But he's enormous, and and definitely, you know, when you talk about our number one receivers, like he has the size at what's he six four, probably two hundred pounds right now. So, um, it, also incredibly bright player. Um, it, he's gonna, I think, check a lot of the boxes off the field. It's just a matter of putting it all together you know, on the field. I think last year he was under a thousand yards with. Um, Deshaun Kaiser at quarterback, although the Notre Dame offense, I mean, that's your team, you know, <laughs> they struggle on offense. So no he's, doubt he's the one to kind of keep that name in the back of your mind because he could blow up this year if they get some stability at quarterback with uh, Max Wimbush in there now. Yeah, so so I've seen St. Brown actually in person uh, when they played Syracuse last year. And just to give you the idea of what kind of, you know, vertical threat and athlete he is, and you're right, he's 6'4", 205. In that game against Syracuse, which is one of the worst secondaries I've seen in quite some time in that game specifically, he had four catches for 182 yards. He averaged over 45 yards a catch with two touchdowns. So he's a trailblazer. And when you are 6'4 and you run like that, you're going to jump off the map. It's as simple as that. I mean, he's just super impressive. And I think with Wimbush's arm, Wimbush can throw it. It looks like the entire field at times. (laughs) And I know not everyone's seen him yet. You know, I live in the New Jersey area, work in New York, so I've seen him. And it's going to be interesting him getting his first college starting opportunity this year. It's going to be exciting what that duo can do, Uh, you know, and hopefully it works out for them because who knows, maybe Wimbush will be that one-and-done starter and St. Brown will be on his way to the NFL together. Um, You know, obviously we talked about Mason Rudolph last week. Like you said, James Washington is a guy that keeps making plays for him. That's another duo to keep an eye on. JT Barrett's back, so with Paris Campbell. There's a lot of exciting duos to watch in college football this year. So it's good that, yeah, we're talking about the top wide receivers, but for most of them, it'll be like, you know, they'll have the help that they need finally to put up the eye-popping production with the talent that they have. Yeah, and next time I call him anything but Brando Wimbush, just reach through the computer and slap me in the face. <laughs> okay, we've gone through a million names so far. There are a it's lot of fine. names in my head right now. But, and I know that, like you said, you know, he's he would have to be a one-and-done kid to declare this year, but man, the, the hype on him is 
out of control. It's a little right out of now. control. Yeah, I'm and, even kind of skeptical. And I, I like I said, I've, I know he's super yeah, talented, right. but Notre Dame's going to be an, an interesting team to watch, not just because of Brian Kelly being on the hot seat, or you know, Notre Dame's and always being, kind of a and fun being team, relatively but. terrible these yes. last two years. So <laughs> it's it's they have some talent on offense though that we're at least going to have to pay attention to. You know, Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson on the O line. Oh yeah, Wim Bush, St. Brown. Like there's there are. I know a lot of people hate Notre Dame, and they're like, you know, why are you talking about Notre Dame? They suck. They they did suck last year. They I'm a Texas fan. We beat them. I know how bad Notre Dame was. Last no, they year, were awful. There's still enough talent there that you got at least they're relevant at least right now in college football. So yeah, they recruit talent, NFL talent. That's exactly. why. And you know, really to put a button on it, this receiver class right now doesn't have the names of Corey Davis, Mike Williams, which last summer is all anyone talked about. So it's not a class that is going to grab the headlines. But I think once we see these guys on the field in September, the Deion Keynes, the Cortland Suttons, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, they will start to show casual fans that this could be a very good receiver class next year. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be a fun group to watch. I know we probably didn't say a lot of big names, but, you know, hop on YouTube. You, you got two months before college football starts. Hop on YouTube. You can check out some of the things these guys did last year. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Josh Allen, my number one quarterback for next year's class. Not Connor's, but mine. And we're going to have a good talk with him. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Stick to Football, episode number 10. And we have the number one quarterback on my rankings for next year's draft, Josh Allen of Wyoming, a guy a year ago no one was talking about, a guy who even you know, nine months ago, not many people were talking about until Josh, you almost entered the draft last year. And I think that's when your name really shot to prominence. So I know you and I have talked, you know, off, off the air before about your decision-making. A lot of people have asked you, but if you could like briefly tell the story, what, what made you decide to go back to Wyoming instead of jumping into that 2017 draft class? Well, you know, I, I talked to a lot of different people, got a lot of different information. Um, you know, I came to the conclusion that having an NFL career, you know, is different than being drafted alone. And not only playing 14 games in college, I just felt like I need a little more time. Uh, so when I do make that, you know, jump into the league, the transition is as seamless as possible. But, you know, the two-and-a-half, three-week period that I had, um, you know, whether to decide to declare or to come back to school was the most, stressful and hectic time of my life and um you know i wouldn't go back and change anything if i could so i I clearly feel like i made the right choice yeah so you know one thing we wanted to ask you since you do feel you made the right choice you're gonna go back and work on various things what's the one thing you went into this off season and said this is the one thing i gotta improve on and whether it's doing 100 reps of it every day whether it's just improving on accuracy, whether it's, you know, adding weight, what was the one thing you went to this offseason program, you know, hoping to improve on? Well, obviously, uh, going back to last year, I had 20 turnovers, and uh, that's not good enough in my eyes. So going back and watching as much film as possible from last year, and, you know, I talked to Carson Went throughout the process of whether to declare or not, and he said, you know, going back and watching yourself on film is one of the best things you can do. It's it, it kind of changes your perspective of things. You're able to go back and kind of, uh, you know, put yourself back in your own shoes and uh, what you were thinking in this situation and why you threw here. So uh, looking back, you know, just made a lot of dumb mistakes, to be honest. So 
uh, you know, being able to clean up those come game time is uh, what I really wanted to do this offseason. I feel like I've done a pretty good job of that so far. So how does how do you go from being the first year starter of Wyoming last year to now every NFL draft website, podcast, reporter, Twitter account, like you are it, man. Like everybody is talking about you as one of the top players in college football. Now, how has that adjustment been for you being, I mean, you were at a community college two years ago or a Juco two years ago, um, you know, hoping to get a shot to play D one football. Now you're Adam Schefter saying your name uh, on the final night of the draft on ESPN, talking about you as the number one pick next year. What's that change been like for you? It's been a little crazy and obviously I'm a lot more media attention. I've gotten a lot more, you know, interviews and uh, people coming to see me and uh, just a lot more interest in in that aspect. But, um, you know, I've got really good teammates here. I've got a, you know, great family that have kept me grounded and and I try to pay as little attention to it as I can uh, because, you know, you can get carried away with all the stuff that people are saying about you. And, um, you know, that's really not my focus. And, um, I'm completely focused on winning football games for the Wyoming Cowboys, and that's really what I plan to do this year. But um, like you said, being kind of no one to uh, being completely talked about all over, is it's a different change. And, you know, I wouldn't say that's a bad thing. You know, it comes with the territory of being a quarterback and, um, you know, being a potential NFL guy. And, um, you know, if that's what comes with it, you know, I'm I'm all for it. Obviously, moving to Wyoming would be a big change for just about anyone. So what do you guys do on a Friday night? We had so many people ask you, like, hey, what do they do out in Wyoming? We want to know. What's a, what's a normal weekend out in Wyoming? Um, you know, now that I'm 21, we can we get to do a lot more than, you know, different <laughs> things. But um, like you said, there's not really much to do here. You know, you really get to bond with your teammates and say, um, it's a really good atmosphere, you know, for a team chemistry wise, you know, cause you're always hanging out with the same guys. And, um, in the summers, there's not many students here, so there's not much to do, but I mean, it's beautiful out here. You, you can go drive 20 minutes to a mountain range and go hiking. If that's your thing, um, go find a, a stream or a Creek and you can go fishing, uh, more outdoor stuff than anything. Um, you know, I tend to, you know, hang out with my, my teammates and we go to movies and just kind of, you know, pal along and do whatever we really want to do so here's the the big question for me have you ever been cow tipping because i'm from a small town too and that's everybody's always like have you ever been cow tipping i haven't but i mean what is it bison tipping up there like what do you got it's gotta be something that you guys do to let off some steam right yeah i don't know man i've I've never been cow tipping um you know i've actually heard that's kind of a myth and you're not able to tip a cow but that's that's a different talk i guess um (laughs) You know, I got, I got a good group of guys that, you know, we go golfing um, any chance that we get. And I'm a, you know, big golfer. I love it. And uh, maybe after football one day I can pursue something in that in that region. Uh, we know one thing that we, we were going to start doing on the show here is going through a gauntlet of five questions we ask all our guests. And it's awesome that you are 21 now because the first question we're going to have for every guest is, what's your favorite beer? Got a lot of different choices. Uh, I like I like Blue Moon. <laughs> Oh, there we go. It's uh, a good choice. Modelo's up there for me too. Big Modelo guy. Yeah, me too. I'm with you on that. Yeah, you, you got a good mix going there. So, okay, question number two: What's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? Like, was it after the Nebraska game? Was it when you were thinking about declaring for the draft? But what's that one that maybe sticks in your mind from a 
an upset fan or an upset opponent's fan, something like that? Um, I really haven't got one towards me that's really stuck. Um, there's been quite a few, but nothing that really kind of, you know, irks me. And like, I look at the same tweet every day to fuel my fire, but there was one, um, before the season last year. And it was talking about the dumpster fire that Wyoming football is. And, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuck to me. You know, I feel like we have a extreme, we had a extremely talented team last year and, you know, we came out and we're seven and two in one point. So, um, I use that, that tweet as fuel to my fire, but nothing really towards me individually has really, you know, made me angry or anything like that. What's one game that none of your teammates can beat you at, whether it's Madden, FIFA, cornhole, ultimate Frisbee, ladder golf, bucket toss. Oh, man. Well, golf, they can't beat me at golf. I'm, I'm the best golfer on the team. Um, okay. <laughs> I would say FIFA, but my, my roommate and I, we've been playing the last couple of days and I think we're at a, a 10, 10 split right now. Oof. Uh, so, we're, we're pretty evenly matched there. Um, I'm, I'm extremely good in Madden, so you know, being a Division One quarterback kind of helps out with that. And I, I think I could take anybody down on our, on our team at least. So what we should do is get the top quarterbacks for next year and have you guys do like a Madden tournament. You know, get get Josh Rosen, get Sam Darnold, get Lamar Jackson, get you, and and we could see who the best Madden player is out of the group. All right, here's here's one more for you. If you were on a deserted island, who's your dream girl to be stranded with? Mario Roby. That was quick. I love the instant answer. That I was love the real fast. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, all right, last one of the gauntlet. I, you might have the same answer here. <laughs> one person you'd want to go to dinner with, they could be dead or alive. Um, We'll, we'll go with Tom Brady. I'm a huge Brady fan. Oh, um, I like that. I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't know if you guys agree with me there, but just to sit down and kind of pick his knowledge and, you know, his upcoming being a six-round pick and being, you know, doubted throughout his career and, now he's sitting at top at the top laughing at everybody else. You're absolutely right. He's the best quarterback of all time. So uh, no, you're not going to get an argument from this from this group at least. So perfect, Josh. Thank you so much for coming on, man. And you know, best of luck this season as you continue to turn around that program. I know that was one of the most important things to you about going back was what you built there. And you know, we're really rooting for you, dude. I appreciate you guys having me on, and thank you for you know all the support that you've been giving me. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, you bet. And we'll uh, actually be at the uh, the Iowa-Wyoming game. So looking forward to seeing you live uh, for the first time and hopefully kicking off, which should be a good year. Because, man, I've I've attached my, my wagon to you. So you got you to make me look smart this year. No pressure or anything, but I'm, re- I'm relying on you a little. September 2nd, baby. We'll see you there. Welcome back to episode 10 of Stick to Football. That was Josh Allen, quarterback from Wyoming, who has really turned around that program. That is Matt's number one quarterback heading into this year, and I thought he was awesome. Uh, I thought it was nice to actually get to know a little about him and not just hear, hey, he's 6'5", 240, and can throw far and run. So super cool guy. Matt, what did you think? That's your boy right there, man. So what I loved is, you know, my first, like, introduction to non like macro beers was blue moon. So I, I feel like we're kindred spirits there, man. And I'm also one, probably the biggest Tom Brady Homer in the media. So it's also nice to hear that. It's like, damn, this is my guy right here, Josh Allen. So it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I, I think we could have talked to him for half an hour and, you know, kept going. Um, so he's going to be fun to watch in person. Um, he's going to be fun to really you know, just track over the course of the year, because it, you know what I loved about the interview was when he came out and said, I made a lot of dumb decisions last year. Like he didn't make an excuse for it. No, he owned up to it. No one under the bus. Like, hey, 
that's on me. I messed up. So I, I respect that in an athlete because a lot of guys, a lot of quarterbacks won't do that. And one one thing we didn't get to about Josh that I, I doing research for the interview that I liked so much about him was he didn't go to elite 11 camps as a high school kid. No one wanted him. He went to Reedley Community College for a year and accidentally was discovered by a Wyoming coach who was there to scout someone else. Yes. He was a multi-sport athlete. Like he played gymnastics, baseball, basketball. You heard him talk about golf. Like this is a, a, a well-rounded kid who worked on his parents' farm in the summers, cutting cotton and moving irrigation lines. So this is not, this is not Josh Rosen. He does not have a hot tub in his dorm room. <laughs> this is it's and hey, if you can do it, do it. But this is someone who I think he's always going to have that chip on his shoulder. And when you get into the psychology of quarterbacks, I want that. Like I want the guy who's had to work for it, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, as opposed to somebody who. It's maybe always been easy for. Yeah, and just two things that jump out on Wyoming's schedule, and we talked about it with him. And, you know, circle your calendars now because Matt's going to be there September 2nd when they play at Iowa, and he's kind of juiced up for that game. You know he's juiced up for that game because if they beat Iowa at Iowa opening weekend, essentially their first game of the season, all you're going to hear is Josh Allen this and Josh Allen that, rightfully so. So that's going to be really exciting. The other thing is, you heard about how he wasn't recruited. He got no Division One offers. I believe he, growing up, his his team was Fresno State. He wanted to play oh, ball at Fresno right. State. He plays the second to last game of their season, November 18th, home game for Wyoming versus Fresno State. If you don't think oh, there's man. going to be a little extra juice running through his veins that game, and you talk to him and you get the sense that, like, He's got a different mindset. His dad was pushing for his recruiting. He wasn't getting recruited by anyone. They didn't hear back from anyone. They didn't get any Division One offers. So he gets to make his statement game week one against Iowa, and I'm hoping the best for him to prove that he can play against that top competition. And then the Fresno State game at the end of the year, it's going to be super exciting with him. Yeah, and Oregon week three. I know Oregon's down and a new coach, but that's a marquee game. Like, that's a game – you know, people will stay up to watch, or you and I will at least. Yeah, and, yes, and we Steven will. Nelson. Three of us will be watching that damn game. We'll tell you what happens. So, dude, I have a uh, I have a beer sitting here getting warm. So let's oh, let's go. Let's do draft this. on draft, baby. Yep, that's right. What are you drinking today? Uh, I, I'm still tapping that line of kugels they sent nice. us. So, um, I blindly grabbed one today. It's a grapefruit shandy, and um, one second. Oh, I'll that's the best. Good. That's the best one by far. That's a lot of grapefruit. Yeah, wow. it's it is they're it, they're really good. So I I was slowly working through it, and then one Saturday I had people at the apartment, and it was just gone in the blink of an eye. The all twenty four beers yeah, I had I like just it. a couple people over, and this yeah, is, ten um, minutes later, the stretch of my birthday week, you know. Um, so it really starts probably Thursday, and then until Sunday night, it's just gonna be it's gonna be intense. So it's gonna be beer mania. <clears throat> Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, the beer fridge is stocked at home. I'm at my office where I think right now I just have some Boulevard wheat and some line of Google. So keeping it a little light this afternoon because we do have a lot of questions to answer. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of questions uh, this week, and we'll start it off. And th- this guy sends great questions every single week. So this one's from Anthony Mangalazuo. What's the number one offseason story that no one is talking about, in your opinion? Oh, damn, that's tough. Um, the first thing that came to mind was that Andrew Luck is still not throwing a football. Right? Wow. Yeah, that's uh, I would call that a concern. God, they've done an awful job of protecting. Well, I can't say they. Yeah, it's, Ryan Grayson. It's Ryan Grayson Which, who oh, is, man, did you see what Pat McAfee? Um, he yes. He Barstool now. And he <laughs> came out and said that Ryan Grigson basically told him the day he was hired that he hates him and 
he's like worthless and he wishes he could cut him, but he can't because the owner. Ryan yeah, Grigson, and he man. was like he was basically the you know the bottom of the totem pole. That's how that's how Grigson viewed McAfee when he came in. He's like, yeah, and he told him that he's like, you're the you know the bottom of the totem pole. I would cut you if I can. Some BS like that. Uh, yeah, Grigson really screwed things up there. It's pretty impressive how badly he screwed things up there. Yeah. So that, what's that's what's your your underreported or or story we're not talking about enough. Oh man, in the NFL, God, uh, this is this isn't like the hottest thing. Or it's just something that I continue. Two things I continue to notice is one for both of these teams, how good the skill talent is in Washington and Tampa Bay, two teams oh, that yeah. you know aren't always dominating the media market or anything like that. But when you look what's around Kirk Cousins right now, and you look what's around Jameis Winston right now, those guys can finish as top five quarterbacks in the league this year. I don't expect Cousins to, but he could do it. I just think when you look at what the Bucs did for Jameis with Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans is somehow quietly a top five receiver in football. Would you agree with that? Uh, he's up there. I mean, he's close. He's knocking on the door and he's like, what, 23 years old? But yeah, and they got OJ Howard. And they have OJ Howard. And Doug Martin's going to be back after that short suspension. With Washington, this is their wide receiver core. Not counting Jordan Reed, who plays tight end, technically, is still really, really good. Terrell Pryor, Josh Doxson is back, and Jamison Crowder with a pretty good offensive line. I I just think that everyone keeps talking Cowboys this, Cowboys that, Giants this. Rightfully so. The Eagles got this much better, and Carson Wentz. Everyone keeps forgetting about Washington. I haven't heard a peep about them all offseason. I think that's the best division to watch in football this year. I really do. It's the NFC East. I'm AFC West just because uh, I think I like that style a little bit better. But NFC East is going to be an intense division. And and that's I'm glad you pointed that out because I honestly, you know, like I we know who these teams add, but you don't sit down and like we're not to that point of the summer where it's let's analyze these guys and make predictions. But damn, the the Buccaneers are loaded. And I, loaded. I worry a little about the offensive line, uh, but damn, if they can if they can grow together a little bit because they're still pretty young. That team could be scary good, and and that is you know that division's tough, but they they are they're an exciting team. Um, I'm going to switch this on you. Let me ask you a question. You always ask me the draft on draft questions, right. so I'm going <laughs> to pull one on you. What got you? Uh, what you got you guys into doing draft writing full time? Mike Spencer asked us that one. So yeah, you go for this one first. Man, this is I, I won't get too long winded on you here, but basically, so I grew up watching college football with my my dad's a I would say a bigger college fan than I he's a huge NFL fan, but he'll sit down on Saturday and just watch any teams. Like he's a Jets fan and watch the Jets. He won't watch other NFL games all the time. He will watch any college game. So he's a draft fanatic, draft nut. The NFL draft has always been probably the biggest sports event for us growing up, you know, that we share that bond. I went to school at Albany, you know, went to business school, started writing more as a fan, I would say, going into my junior year of college, you know, just nothing big. Did some draft pieces, got on one conference call for ESPN with Mel Kuyper, got to ask him a question. Fun fact, the only time I ever talked to Mel Kuyper, I asked him if he thought Jamie Collins could sneak into the first round, and he said yes. Yeah, I have to find the audio bit somewhere. Uh, And I started writing for free for a couple years. I got the job at Bleacher Report instead of going into a business field. I was like, hey, let me just try this. You know, I'm, I was obviously super young. I was 22 at the time. I'm only 25 now, so it's so been three years. still super young. Yeah, something like that. But it's been three years at Bleacher Report, and I have no interest in going back into the business field. 
And I, you know, picked up, or I met you, we started working together on draft stuff and kind of built the NFL draft to be even bigger than it already was at Bleacher Report. And it was huge. But they gave Matt and I a chance to do this full time, where it was making videos for social, whether it was helping him write in the fall, or just doing any kind of work that I could to help out with that. And I mean, dude, it's awesome that we do get to do it almost practically all year round. Like we're going to be doing this all summer. So I, I don't want to say like, I fell into it, but I just caught a couple breaks. I worked for free for a long time. And fortunately, I found a way to make it a full time career. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. I I turned 30, <clears throat> excuse me, 34 next week. So I've been doing this half my life, which is insane to think about. But for me, it was my senior year of high school. I mean, I was I was draft obsessed as a kid. You know, my older brothers, you know, like they, they'll tell you that when I was four or five years old, I was collecting football cards and memorizing the stats on the back. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, obsessed with once free agency became a thing, you know, it was like, oh, my God, these players are moving teams. And uh, growing up a Niners fan, you know, it was watching, like the coolest thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we just signed Deion Sanders. Like, OK, <laughs> um, so that that really did it for me. But when I was in high school, um, you know, I grew up in a very small town in Missouri, 700 people. And we when we got the Internet, I was a freshman in high school and it opened up this door to all these online communities where people talked about the draft. And I just jumped into that and it it really kind of, you know, fed that obsession a little bit. But I've been writing about the draft since I was a senior in high school. And like you said, I did it for free forever. Um, Ooh, first yeah. working for other people. And then I had my own website. And I never thought it was a real job. You know, like I'm like you, I went to paramedic school and worked in that field. And then I, I got into working on in marketing and I worked in that field all the while thinking football would just be a hobby, you know, coach some high school football on the side, coach semi-professional football on the side, just to, just to kind of stay close to the game. And then, you know, literally fell into it at Bleacher Report, uh, a journalismjobs.com newsletter. I got an email and said, Bleacher Report's hiring entry-level NFL people. I applied, and that was November of 2009, and I'm still here. So, here we are now, dude. Yeah, God. here we are now. So it's it, – you know, my advice to people who want to get into this is work your ass off. Be willing to take new opportunities, but you don't have to go to journalism school. Neither of no. us did. You don't have to wait until you graduate college to start. Like if you're in high school listening to this, start right now. Clean up your Twitter account, one. Uh, two, like a blog is free. You can sign up for a blog right now. Um, so there's no reason that you can't do that. And I would say be versatile. You know, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Periscope, Facebook Live, Facebook, Twitter, everything. You know, you the more you can do, the better. You know, we're seeing journalists get laid off left and right um, at, at our shop and others. And I, I think the people who are lasting in this industry are those who are versatile. So don't. Don't try to back, just back yourself to corner and say, I'm, a, I'm just going to be a reporter. Nope, you're not. You're going to be a reporter, a podcaster. You're going to be on camera. You have to be willing to do a little bit of everything to stick around. That's 100% right. And I think that's the best advice I've heard in a while in terms of people wanting to get in this field is to be versatile. You know, people, the funny thing with me is people see me on Twitter and they think, oh, like, you know, the other draft guy and the, the co-host of the podcast, you know, what they don't see is I'm your video producer. Uh, for a while, I you know, doing day-to-day -day managing of your schedule, radio, all that kind of stuff. I can edit articles. I could do editing on Premiere, some editing on Premiere Video. Still not the greatest with that, but still can do enough. And just so many different things in the video and writing field, because let's be real, media, 
nowadays is multimedia. It's as simple yeah. as that. You're not just going to be a writer. You're not just going to do this. You know, Matt does great work on camera. Matt does a lot of great work on writing, doing so much of both. And the biggest thing I could say is uh, failing is good. I know that sounds weird, but I've started my own sites. They've all failed. And you know what? Oh, yeah. And I learned so much every time one failed, whether it was, hey, I don't have any money to pay writers, so I can't get content, and I don't have the time to write everything myself. I've learned something different every time from failing, and I've made videos that I probably didn't love, just the way it was. I cut what highlights I cut or what story I was trying to tell. And me and Matt, after every podcast, talk about things we did and didn't like, whether it was something we asked a guest and we were like, you know what, maybe we should have asked it like this. Or maybe we should have talked about this guy. And you just have to learn every time. That's the the biggest thing in this field is you have to learn from, you know, what you really messed up at. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is right place, right time, you know? Yeah. And, so much and, of it. And and also, you know, presenting yourself in a way that when there is an opportunity, people think of you and be like, oh, man, that Connor's a hard worker and I get along with him. And and then, you know, here here we are. So, um. Oh, yeah, it's your turn. My bad. I almost jumped in on you, man. I'm excited for this fall when we get our intern, Kennedy, on here, and she can read the draft. She reads the questions. questions. Yeah, She's an Oklahoma fan, so I don't know if she can read, but we'll figure it out. Oh, God. (laughs) Man. (laughs) I'm just going to. The line at Google's is kicking in, I guess. That was nice. That's a hot quote. It's a hot quote. Yeah, she (laughs) might not be reading these questions after hearing that. Uh, so this one from Tom at NOLA Sportscom. We got two from Tom. So the first one is, do you think it's possible Rosen could slip to mid-first because of coachability concerns? I say no. I think it's possible he could slip to the mid-first if he has a bad season, he gets hurt again, something like that. I don't think it'll be because of coachability concerns. I, I think those are super overblown from a lot of people I've talked to. But I just don't think a quarterback with his talent slips to the first round anymore after what we saw in this draft. And Mello and Matt and I have talked about it so much. There's a long list of teams that are going to be super quarterback needy in the next two years. Yeah, I thought that was a great point that Mello made, I guess, two weeks ago about how many quarterback needy teams are. Rattling off a list of seven to eight teams. Yeah, As long as Rosen's healthy, I think there's a a good chance. If Rosen's healthy and plays like we think he can play, he's going to be a top 10 pick. Um, Let's go to Tom's other question. Hook them horns here. It's a where great Malik, question for you. Yeah. Where does Mike Jefferson rank up against linebackers I've graded? Uh, on athleticism and character, super high. Production, he's not there yet. And I, I love Malik. Um, as a Texas fan, as a draft analyst, I love him. Like, he's a great kid. Like He could date my daughter and I would be happy because I, I think that he gets it. Like he, he has that wiring that you want, but just haven't seen the production yet. You know, he missed a lot of tackles last year. He took some poor angles to the ball. He's been banged up uh, the last two years. So I'm not even certain that he would leave Texas after his junior year. He, to me, feels like a lifer, you know, who's he's all about turning the program yeah, around in Texas. So I can see him staying all four years, but, you know, he's not up there with the Patrick Willis's or Ruben Foster's or Jalen Smith's or Miles Jack, but he has the potential to be. It's just a matter of, seeing him make the kind of plays that those guys made because athletically it's all there for him to be that kind of impact. He just hasn't been one yet. Now, Matt, my biggest question for you with him heading into this year is, is he going to be playing with finally going to be playing with better talent this year around him that can set him up for success? Because he's kind of a guy that when he's kept clean, he blow, he destroys plays. 
Yeah, I think that will be the key. Um, there has been some turnover. They're probably going to change that defense a little bit uh, with the new staff, but I, I think he will have more help. The key is he'll be playing middle linebacker this year. He's not going to be you know, moved around, and he's so good in space. So I think when you have Malcolm Roach and Puna Ford and Brecken Hager and those types of players around him, it's only going to help. You know, it's going to be more of a 3-3-5 defense this year. So I think we'll see him in space, which is best for him. Uh, but, it, you know, it's just a matter of he has to make the plays that come with the name. And like I said, great kid, great athlete, super intelligent. But I need to see him take over games the way Jalen Smith did before we can put him in that category. All right. And as you know, on the Stick to Football podcast, we do not always stick to football. This question from my good friend, Pat Imbarato. With rumors of Butler and George to the Cavs, when does NBA step in? As the East versus, East versus West All-Stars in the finals every year with 28 mediocre teams, as a Hornets fan, I don't even want to watch. So I think we could spin this one as just a league-wide, you know, any league with a competition problem. Uh, you know, yeah. obviously for my job, I watch the NBA playoffs, and and we produce a ton of content on it. Obviously, you know, Matt I lost follows, a bet over it. <laughs> yeah, Matt lost a bet over it. <laughs> The competition problem in the NBA is it's a legitimate issue, big issue. I don't think they step in and really try to do anything about it. You're not going to downsize the league. That's I don't think you should. I think you but like financially, I don't think they will. It's a tough thing. But to answer your question, I don't see why the NBA would step in as unfortunate as that is. Yeah, I don't follow the sport very closely at all. But I would imagine ratings are incredibly high for the finals, and that's probably all the NBA cares about is money. I mean, it's like every other sport. You know, Major League Baseball for years was horrible in terms of parity. No one cares. Yep. Uh, the Glass family is not raising the payroll until the Royals got good. So it, it's one of those things like, you know, it, it's almost a, a chicken or the egg argument. But I don't see the NBA stepping in, um, you know, whether it's with Butler or George to the Cavs or – you know, people obviously tanking, you know, like the Mavericks, you know, hey, once we're not in the playoffs, yep. we're, we're not trying to win games. Sit players. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I can't see the league doing anything, especially because it seems like, you know, I mean, when I started at BR, we were just talking about this. When I started at BR in 2009, no one cared about the NBA. Now it's a huge traffic source for us. The NBA is like cool again. And I don't know that the league is going to do anything to maybe shake that or, or try to change anything when it's it's working. You know, maybe for guys like Pat, it's not because he's a Hornets fan. But, you know, for the for the casual fan, I don't think that they're going to try to make any changes at all. Yeah, you could lose the small market fans, but the casual fan loves that. They love the league. That's the difference with the NBA is that they love this. It's such a star driven league and they love the league. And the finals, like you said, it's a big draw. So, okay, this question from our very good friend, Jared Brown. And I don't even have an answer to this question. I kind of just have a take, in a sense, a smart-ass take. He asked, <laughs> what are the best condiments to mix into hybrid sauce slash condiments? I, I just want to say people hate on mayo so much, so damn much. And they don't even probably realize that mayo's in, like, almost all their favorite sauces. So that's my smart-ass take. I don't even have a good answer, though. You might, Matt. Yeah, well, I live in the Midwest. We dip things. Of course. Like, everything is dipped. Chipotle mayo is great. I think that's a hybrid sauce condiment. Uh, I used to go to the steakhouse here that would do this thing. They would, like, you know, like a fried onion petal, and they would would mix ranch dressing and barbecue sauce. Oh, my God. That's crack. It is. It's, it's, it's <laughs> fun it's fact. Crack. It actually uh, is. <laughs> it's a heart attack as well. But yeah, I mean, well, it's, uh, it's it's two thirty, and I'm drinking a beer doing a podcast. So health ain't okay. a big concern here. But uh, yeah, that's 
It's a pretty good one. I don't know. I, those are probably the two that I would consider as a, a hybrid condiment, but I'm open to suggestion if people would like to tweet us at stick to football and let me know the, the hybrid condiment that I'm missing out on. All right, our last question for the Draft on Draft segment this week, and it is a football question. I know, a rare football question. He says, could Hubbard, I'm assuming Sam Hubbard, because who else, could Sam Hubbard climb as high as Solomon Thomas did this year? And I'm not going to say no, that's for sure, because we've been hearing about Sam Hubbard for the last, I mean, one of my best friends at work and another guy that works closely with Matt, Jake Zimmerman, is telling me about Hubbard for two years. And he did flash last year. He's a yeah. good player. Now, a Salman Thomas climb to the top five, it's you know, it's not easy. Now, is he talented enough to do it? Probably, but we got a lot left to see. Here's the inside info I know. Is Ooh, that I like Hubbard that. will not test well. Um, that's a, a great. So that's going to be the key. Um, that's he a is a hell point. of a player. He's probably closer to a second rounder based to the scouts I've talked to just on testing alone. So I... Man, listen, I love the kid. I, he is one of my favorite players in the country to watch. He has the size. He has the production. I, I think it's just going to be a matter of quickness and hip flexibility because that's so important for his position as a defensive end. And I think his height makes it unlikely he would stand up and be an outside linebacker. Yep. Um, so, tall. yeah, 6'5", 265. So I see him as a hand in the dirt, hand in the dirt, excuse me, defensive end. And I, I want to say that, that he was expected to run in the four nine range. So that's going to be pretty slow for an edge player. Yeah. Um, the three cone too is what I, you know what I'd be concerned about there. Yeah. Of course, with an edge player. So, I mean, there you have it guys. You come to the stick to football podcast, you get Matt's insider info. All you get from me is telling you that mustard is a trash <laughs> condiment. I don't care what the hot dog companies tweet at me. Hopefully we get some free hot dogs from it. That'd be nice. Really why I'm here. I won't put mustard on them. Uh, maybe yes, one hot dog if they sent me like a summer supply, but that's about it. We're gonna next time I'm in New York, we're gonna stop and get one of those nasty ass street dogs, and, oh. and you're gonna put mustard on. Hey, it. they're not. They're actually not as bad as you'd think. They're not great. They so, smell delicious at three in the morning. I know. Yes. <laughs> my ADD just kicked in, and I'm reading my Twitter timeline, and I saw a good one from Joe Goodberry saying, "Which ten players would your team protect in an NFL expansion draft?" Because obviously, the NHL right now, teams are having to protect as Vegas comes in does a draft. Yeah. Maybe that's something we'll do in the coming weeks. We'll talk about you know what player, what star players would you protect, or we'll have people send us what players they would protect on their team, or leave an iTunes review with that. That's my go-to all the time. It's getting obnoxious, but it's just too easy. I think we're almost to 100 iTunes reviews. We're almost to 3,000 Twitter followers. Y'all got to help us out. Oh, and then the romper comes out. So That's true. Yeah, the romper comes out at 3,000 Twitter follows. Listen, if we're not going to stay at 69 reviews on iTunes, let's just get to 100. I can't be in the middle. It's got to be one or the other. I'm so. checking right now. Last I checked, we were at 75. We're at 76. So you guys are slacking just a little bit. So if we could get that up to 100, uh, that would make me happy. Um, That'd be awesome. And we'll probably have some gear at some we, point this summer to give out to you guys. Yes. We also have uh, Madden sent us, I think, two sweet backpacks and like six what? hats. And we have the five games to give away. So we're going to be pulling from the reviews for you guys. Uh, so we, we definitely have some gear to give away. Uh, so be listening because that's the only way you can win that stuff is to be listening. So I um, love it. I think that's a plug for y'all to come back next week when we have Tony Jefferson of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, probably going to talk about my Longhorns, his Sooners, talk about how he was recruited. 
to the Baltimore Ravens by Eric Weddle and how they recruited Jeremy Macklin. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with Tony next week. Um, and and it should be a, a pretty dang good show. Um, as long as I make it through birthday weekend, we'll That's be back right. next God week. Speed, Godspeed. Yeah, I want to know what Tony's buying with that fat new contract he's got. So I can't wait to get him on. Talk a little football, talk a lot of not football stuff. Uh, it'll be great. Matt, final thoughts before we conclude episode number 10 of the Stick to Football podcast. Hey, last week we set a record for streams on the show. So we thank did. you guys thank you. so, so much. You got us over 100K, which is huge. And, you know, we're we're proving people wrong that this podcast thing could work. So keep helping us out. Thank you for hanging out with us. And I, I tell you, the, the more listeners, the more reviews, the more Facebook facebook and twitter shares we get that stuff adds up so thank you all for helping us yeah and that's more gear for you guys because that means more profit i don't even know if that's true but it should be true all right thanks everyone and see you next week for episode number 11